Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. Good morning, Christ Walk. How is everybody doing today? Man, I am so, so excited to be here today. I told Sarah on the drive-in, that hot girl that was just standing right here, I mean, I couldn't concentrate for a second. I mean, she is smoking. And um, I get to take her home after church. It's pretty awesome, pretty awesome. So, but I told her on the drive-in, I just woke up this morning, and, and um, there was just a, an, an expectation that I just had in my spirit. And I'm believing that God is really going to do something, begin something kind of fresh and new in someone's life today and over the coming weeks. It's really going to set the tone for the new year. And I'm just excited about being here with you guys today and getting to share God's word with you. If you've got your Bible or maybe you're using an app, you can open or swipe with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to land there in just a moment. We're continuing our series on the power of routine, the power of routine. And we're talking about four things. We're talking about Bible reading, we're talking about prayer, we're talking about fasting, and we're talking about Christ-centered community. And last week, we talked about the importance of establishing a regular and consistent Bible reading plan that, that that opens, it unlocks the key in our lives to hearing from the Lord and, and, and interacting with that. We gave everybody bars of soap. We encourage you to use the soap method, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And that serves as a great segue, because we ended with prayer, a great segue to today's message where we're going to talk about the importance of prayer in the life of the believer. And prayer has, um, you know, prayer is something that I've, I've wrestled with over my time as a believer. Chances are anybody in here that um, has followed Christ for any amount of time, you have, you have maybe struggled with it, you've had questions about it, and, and so I'm going to do my very best to, in a very simple, practical way, kind of debunk some of the myths, highlight some of the different things that maybe we've thought about or wrestled with prayer, and then set us up, kind of jumpstart, do some things to jumpstart our prayer life here at the beginning of the year because today kicks off our 21 days of prayer and you're going to hear a little bit more about that in the service. But um, when I became a dad, uh, when, when Sarah actually became pregnant uh, with Luke, um, I, I, prayer became an even greater emphasis um, in, in my life because I realized I have no stinking clue what I'm doing. And um, so I you know, I, I begin to pray a lot more, God, you're going to have to help me, uh, you know, because when this baby comes, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. And I can remember Sarah, um, you know, big tummy and everything, she's pregnant with Luke. I can remember we would actually, even then as a father, I felt like it was my duty to pray over my kids. And so even then, I would lay my hands on, um, on Sarah's belly, and I would pray scripture over Luke. And one of the things that I prayed all the time is, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> I don't think I prayed that scripture that, like, as, as regularly as I should have over Avery, though. 
maybe Luke, uh, you know, he, it, it took with him, but, you know, I probably should have done a little bit more due diligence with Avery. But, but that continued that after they were born, that every night when we put them to bed, um, that, that uh, uh, honor falls on me in our household. I get to go and tuck the kids in. I've done that since they were very, very little, and I've always spent some time praying over them as part of our bedtime routine. But then there was, there were, it was a, a few years back, um, I heard someone talking about this and what they do with their kids, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I realized that I was missing out on an incredible opportunity to bless my children, and that was before they went to school, um, I wasn't praying over them like at the beginning of the day. We were just doing it at night before bedtime, and I realized, man, I can really set the tone for the day here if I would will pray over my kids. And, and what it's done is it's, it's shown them that prayer is a regular, ongoing, active part of our life as a believer. And, and every morning when, when we take them to school, and, and right now um, Luke is going to school with Sarah, but I get to drive Avery to school um, on my way into the office. And we hold hands on the way, and we talk, and it's just um, daddy-daughter time, and it's so special. But there's, there's a moment that we will, we will get close to the school, and we have to cross a railroad track. And she knows that when we cross the railroad track that the school is coming right up. And so anytime we get to the railroad track, without fail, every single day, she'll look over at me and she'll say, Daddy, it's time to pray. Because she knows it's part of her routine. And so we're holding hands. And, and so I use that as, as my connection point with her. And I'm laying hands on her. And I pray something like this. Lord, be with Avery today. Protect her from harm and danger and sickness. God, I pray that you would give her success in everything that she does inside and outside the classroom that you would help her to be a good student, a good friend, a good classmate. God, that you would raise her up as an ambassador for this school, that she would shine your love and your light and your life to the world around her, and that she would be an example for others in the way that she acts, talks, thinks, and treats other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Those are the things that I pray over my daughter and, and, and over my son as well because those are the things that I want for them to have in their life. I want them to realize that, that prayer is, it should, be, should be part of the Christian life. But, but then I get to where I read in the scriptures in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 where Paul writes, he says, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. And I'm like, but I got to like sleep sometime, right? Like I got I to gotta eat, right? You know, so how can I like pray continually and and, you know, we got to have, like, conversations and stuff like business. Work has to get done, but, but I'm supposed to pray continually. So even in the life of a pastor, a minister, even in someone who's trying to make a difference in his life through prayer, pray for his kids, I realize that it's an important thing. I come up against scriptures like that, and I'm like, man, this is hard. This is hard. I, I don't know what really that looks like to pray without ceasing. And so I begin to think back over the course of my life. And, and you know, Hollywood and, and the mainstream media, they have, they've taken some steps to, sh to kind of maybe teach us or encourage us what prayer might be like or look like. And, and just over the course of my 36 years, here are some examples. In 1986, New Jersey Rockers Bon Jovi they reminded us that we're living on a prayer. 
1990, M.C. Hammer, in his theological way, you know, that he goes about his life, he told everybody, we need to pray just to make it today. Later that year, one of my favorites, Garth Brooks, he told everyone, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. In 94, Jenny Curran knelt down in front of an old ramshackle house and she prayed, Dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far, far away from here when, gold, when Forrest Gump hit the silver screen. In the year 2000, Rascal Flats, they spent all their time praying for daylight. In 2001, the film Fast and the Furious, um, Dom Toretto and his crew, they, they all gathered around eating barbecue chicken and they prayed to the car gods, thanking them for direct port nitrous injection, four-core intercoolers, ball-bearing turbos, and titanium valve springs. See, prayer, it seems to be all around us, even in the mainstream. For those of us that are church regulars, we hear an awful lot about it, But the problem is, is that even though prayer is readily accessible, even though it's something that we participate um, in in this church each and every week, it's something that from this stage you get encouraged to do and encouraged to be a part of every single week. For many of us, it remains a mystery. It's something that we haven't quite figured out. We, we're not really sure what to do. So, so in the spirit of praying continually, in the spirit of helping us kind of launch into a prayer life, um, we're doing something a little bit unique this morning. On five seats randomly chosen across this auditorium, you've got a red sticker on the bottom. And if you have a red sticker on the bottom of your seat, I'm going to have you come up on stage and pray out loud in the microphone over everybody this morning. Just kidding. We want you to come back next week. We would never do anything like that. That would be so weird and uncomfortable, wouldn't it? A couple people actually looked under their seat, and then when they realized there wasn't a sticker there, they were like, oh, thank God. I thought I was going to have to suddenly go to the bathroom. Some of you may have suddenly gone to the bathroom. I don't know. Maybe you felt like this guy at one point or another. Check this out. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. If you, want to... you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. 
You are the Alpha, Nisi, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. So maybe you felt like that before. Comes your time to pray and you're like, ah, and you're just making stuff up. See, I believe, though, that, that for those of us that call ourselves believers, those of us that, that um, we've, we've given our lives over to Jesus Christ, I believe that we have a desire, we have a want to, to have a dynamic prayer life. We just don't know how. And the difficult thing is, is that if you don't know how to pray, that's not something that you're ready to admit. You know, you're not like, I, I'm, I'm dumb. I can't figure this out. You know, like you're not, you're not acknowledging that to anyone else because you want it to be like, oh, yeah, pray, yeah, man, I, I got it all together. I know what's up. But, and so we just walk around and go through the motions and everything, but everyone's scared to just bring up the fact that we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to do. And, and we want this dynamic prayer life. And, and very simply put, here, here's the key right here. If, if, if you don't get anything else from today, I, I hope that you'll get this. Uh, this is going to set somebody free this morning. It, it's it's, it's going to just, the, the switch is going to flip. It's going gonna, it's gonna to turn it on for somebody here today. The best way to develop a dynamic prayer life is to just start praying. It's as simple as that. Like, I don't want to, like, dumb it down for anybody or whatever. Like, this is actually God's word right here. This is, this is it at work. The best way to develop a dynamic prayer life is to simply just start praying. And the good news is that though some of you would be like, well, that's, a, you know, easier said than done. The good news is, is that Jesus didn't leave us empty-handed when it comes to him teaching us how to go about praying, teaching us about what prayer is. And so um, go ahead and flip over with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. They call it that because there was a lot of people there were like from all over the region. Jesus, he was doing his earthly ministry and, and um, all these throngs of people began to follow him. And they call it the Sermon on the Mount because all of these people followed and Jesus decided to preach them a sermon and he was on a mount. About as theological as it gets here this morning. That's why they call it the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you guys will get that on the drive home. Um, Matthew chapter 6 
is right here in the smack dab in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount. We find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and uh, Matthew records it this way, starting with verse 5. He says, when, this is Jesus talking, when you pray, all right, I'm going to stop right there. Now, I'm not going to do this every, you know, three or four words, I promise. We're actually going to get through this, but when you pray, notice the first word, when, everybody say that. When, it wasn't if, it was when you pray, not if you pray. That means that if you are a Christ follower, it is assumed that you are going to pray. All right, so let's just get that out of the way right now. If you're trying to follow Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, you should be praying. It was an expectation that Jesus, from the get-go, put on those people that followed him. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners and pray so people will see them. I tell you the truth, they already have their full reward. All right, so what that tells us is that, first off, Prayer is not performance. Prayer is not performance. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, they would go outside, they would stand on the street corners, they would pray, they would pray long, they would pray loud, and the whole idea of their prayer was for people to look at them, for people to notice them and how good they were and how holy they were and how spiritual they were. The, the concept of them praying was to make everybody else um, feel in, insignificant in their spiritual walk and to look at them and, and for them to make themselves to be like these spiritual giants. See, here's the thing. Prayer is not something that we do for entertainment value. It's not something that we do to prove how great of a Christian we are. It's not something that we do for anyone else. Prayer is about us, and prayer is about God. And so creating a bunch of attention, drawing people to you so they can hear you pray or see you pray or listen to the things that you say, that is not the point because it's not performance. It's not performance. So Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't be like them. All right, so let's pick it up in verse 6. It says, when you pray, there it is again. When you pray, it's assumed, it's expected that as a Christ follower, you're going to pray. When you pray, you should go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who cannot be seen. Your father can see what is done in secret and he will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like those people who don't know God. They continue saying things that mean nothing, thinking that God will hear them because of their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things before you ask him. Prayer is not a performance, but prayer is personal. When you pray, go into your room, close the door. Prayer is about you and God. It's about you and God. It's personal. It's about a relationship. And that relationship is a two-way street. It's not just you talking to God and then, okay, amen, hanging up the phone. No, it's about you talking to God and then you listening as he talks back. Prayer is personal. Even when we pray in the confines of, of, corporate, of the corporate body, like when we come to church and we pray, it's still personal. 
I'm married to my wife. She and I are one. But I cannot have her relationship with God for her. She cannot have my relationship with God for me. Prayer is personal. And even if we come together and we agree in prayer, it is still me connecting with God and her connecting with God. When we pray in the round all together, we say something like, let's stand, let's lay hands on our neighbor, let's, let's reach out and, and grab a hold of somebody, let's pray to God together, let's, let's lift up a prayer together. It's still us communicating with God as individuals, even in the corporate body, it's as if we've kind of walked into a dinner party where God is the host. And over the course of the time there, he is walking around and he is having a personal conversation with all of the guests that are there. That is what prayer is because prayer is personal. It's between you and God. So when you pray, go in and close the door because it's about you and your relationship with God. It's not performance, but it is personal. Verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. So when you pray, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name always be kept holy. May your kingdom come and what you want be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is not performance, but prayer is personal. Prayer is also praise. Some of you say, well, I don't really know what to pray about. I'm, I'm not really sure. Well, it's very simple. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And then he communicates what is praise. Our Father in heaven, may you be holy. May the things that you want be done on this earth. It's, it's praise. And praise, simply put, it's, it's adoration or gratitude given to someone in an act of worship. Praise is adoration or gratitude given to someone in an act of worship. And so how that plays out in our life is when we wake up in the morning, oh, God, you are so awesome. God, I just love you today. God, thank you for waking me up today. Thank you that there's breath in my lungs. Thank you that there's food in my belly, that there's gas in my car, that there's clothes on my back. Lord, thank you for the beautiful sunrise or the beautiful sunset or thank you for the rain or thank you for the sunshine or God, I just worship you for everything that you are. God, you mean so much to me. God, you are great and you are greatly to be praised in those things. God loves to hear that stuff because prayer is praise. It's not performance, but prayer is personal. Prayer is praise. Let's pick it up in verse 11. Give us the food we need for each day. Forgive us for our sins, just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. And do not cause us to be tempted, but save us from the evil one. The kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. So prayer is not performance, but it is personal. It is praise. And prayer finally is petition. This is what you normally probably think of as prayer. It's when you talk to God about the things that you need or the things that you want. It's okay to do that as long as we're including the other stuff. As long as it's a conversation, a two-way street, and it's not just us picking up the phone. Hey God, it's me. I need this. Thanks a lot. Bye. That's not what prayer is. But petition is certainly a part of that. That's where we say, God, bless my kids. God, help me on this test. God, be with me as I go to this job interview. God, we don't have enough money to make it to the end of the month. Let there be a windfall somewhere. Help me trip over a big sack of cash on my way to work. 
I pray that a lot. <laughs> it's never happened, though. So if any of you want to put, like, a big sack of cash, like, right out here, I'll find it. I'm like a bloodhound. We're praying for the things that we need. God, heal my sick loved ones. Lord, save this person. Lord, bring them into a relationship with you. We're praying. We're talking to God about the things that we need or the things that we want. And the Bible talks about that when our children come to us and how much we want to bless them, how much we want to give them the things that they need, the things that we want, then if we're able to do that, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to come alongside us and partner with us and give Give us the desires of our hearts. And that comes about through us spending time in relationship, in community with our Heavenly Father and petitioning Him for the things that we want and the things that we need. Prayer is not performance, but it is personal. When you go to pray, go into your room and close your door. It's praise. We're saying, God, our Father in heaven, your name is holy. Let what you want to be done happen here on earth as it is in heaven. And then it's petition. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Give us the things that we need. Give us our daily bread. It's not performance, but it is personal. It is praise. And it is petition. All right, so that's all fine and good. Now that we know what prayer is, what does it look like practically? I'm all about being practical. I want to give you tools that you can use. And I think that if you're, if you're taking notes this morning, you might want to write this down. These, these three steps right here will unlock a dynamic prayer life in your walk with Jesus right here. I'm not, I'm not trying to dumb this down or make it seem easier than it is, but it really is, it really is this easy right here. These three things right here, something that you can take. And, and beginning today, as we journey through this 21 days of prayer, if you'll do these three things, I guarantee you'll come out on the other side of these 21 days in a whole different place in your prayer life. These debunk a lot of the myths of what we think prayer has to be. And help to shed light on what prayer actually is. All right? So these three things to unlocking a dynamic prayer life. Number one, keep it short. Keep it short. You don't have to pray for a long time. Okay? Now, if you have a lot of things to pray about, that's going to determine the length of your prayer. But you don't have to pray for that one thing just over and over and over and moan and groan and on and on and on, thinking that the length of your prayer somehow increases its effectiveness. It's not going to happen. Keep it short. If you got one thing to pray about, pray about that one thing and then be done. It doesn't have to be long. You don't have to set the clock for five minutes or 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes and think, man, if I haven't prayed until I break that threshold, I haven't touched the face of God. Look, he's listening and he's concerned about you and he wants to know what's on your heart. So if it's just one thing, pray that one thing and then go about your day. Keep it short. Because praying a long prayer doesn't make a difference. It's not about the length. It's about the heart behind it. So keep it short. All right, that's number one. I told you this was easy. Some of you are like, man, I get to pray and like, I don't have to do a long, a long prayer. Yeah, I mean, I can do that. We can all keep it short, every single one of us. It may just even require just a couple seconds. You don't have to meet like a time requirement or some sort of quota 
in terms of praying to God. So keep it short. Number two, keep it simple. Keep it simple. I put this in there for me because I'm simple. All right, you don't have to use $4 words when you're praying to God. It's not like God is up in heaven, like taking care of things, and all of a sudden he hears a word with 12 syllables, and he's like, oh, I better pay attention now. The big guns have come out. No, like, just talk to God the way that you talk. Just be you. That's what God's concerned about. God loves you. He died for you. He doesn't care about you memorizing the dictionary so that you can come and pray to him. He's not concerned about you praying in King James language with all the these and the thous and the yees and the yows. Now, look, if that's how you talk normally, go for it. But I ain't heard people talk like that. And I just said, I ain't heard people talk like that. So that's how we should pray to God. We don't have to like meet some sort of educational level. You don't have to have a master's degree to talk to God. You don't have to come to him and say anything in particular to get his attention. He just wants to talk to you, and he wants you to talk to him the way that you talk. So keep it short. Keep it simple. Number three, keep it honest. Keep it honest. You know what? A lot of people, they think that when we go to pray, that we've got to put on some sort of facade and we got to pretend like everything's hunky-dory and we got to pretend like we've got all our stuff together in order to approach our Heavenly Father in prayer. And that is fake and it makes God sick. When you pray, keep it honest. Be real with Him. That's what He's concerned about. If you're angry, pray angry. If you're sad, pray sad. If you're happy, pray happy. If you're thankful, pray thankful. If you're mad at God about something because of something that you're walking through, a struggle that you're experiencing, some adversity that's coming to your life, tell him about it. Don't put on any pretenses. Keep it real. Keep it honest. Let God into the real you because here's the deal. Psalm 139 and 4 says, Lord, even before I say a word, you already know it. So when you approach God to pray, he knows what's on your heart and what's on your mind. So then why do we need to pray? Well, because God wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And in order to be in relationship with someone, you have to communicate. Those of you that are married, imagine if you never communicated with your spouse. How long would that relationship last? What would the health level of that relationship be? It wouldn't look good, would it? Now translate that into our relationship with Jesus. We say that we're Christ followers. We say we have this relationship with him, but there's no communication going on. Or when there is communication, it's just one way. It's us to God, and then that's it. And God wants to speak back to us through his word. He wants to put things in our spirit. He wants to communicate things that he wants for us and, and that he is blessing us with and things that he's showing us to, to change our lives and make us better. It's 
It's all about a, uh, a relationship, which is dependent upon communication. And that communication has to be short, simple, and honest. Man, that's the place to start. You want to unlock a dynamic prayer life? Keep it short, keep it simple, keep it honest, and God will change you. He will rock your world if you will do those things. I love what Soren Kierkegaard, he's a theologian, he says this about prayer. This is so, so challenging. He says, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. The function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. Yeah, we got stuff in our life, and we're wanting God to do something about that stuff. But you know what? He may not do anything about it. God has three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and not right now. And so even though we're praying to overcome a situation in our life, it may be something that we need to walk through. But the prayer that we spend in communication with God, what that does is instead of changing him, it changes us and makes us able to walk through that stuff. Sam Shoemaker, he put it a different way. I love this quote. It's so, so amazing. And it's like a gut punch right here for you. It says, prayer may not change things for you, but it sure changes you for things. Prayer may not change things for you. It may not change your situation, but it sure changes you for things. It sure does change you for the situation that you're facing. And I don't know about you. I don't want to put anything on you, but in my life here in 2018, I've got some stuff that I would like to change, but more importantly, I've got some things in my life, some stuff in my life that I need to change for. And so I'm making a commitment to spend these 21 days seeking after those things for my life. Instead of expecting God to move on my behalf and change my situation, I'm asking God to change me. See, if you knew that prayer could change you, and make you better for the things that you're walking through in your life, make you better for the things that you're doing in your life, like, wouldn't you want to give it a shot? Wouldn't you say, yeah, like, I'll give that a whirl? Well, then I'm encouraging you to put God to the test over these next 21 days. Like, what if prayer could change us to be better stewards of our finances? What if, what if prayer could change us to love our spouses more deeply? What if prayer could be the catalyst for us parenting our children with greater wisdom? What if spending time in prayer over these next 20 days could make us more patient when we don't get our way or make us more forgiving when other people wrong us or make us more bold in living out our faith in the community? What if prayer could change us? I believe it can. And so I want to invite you to join me and the rest of our staff as together, as a church, we pray over the next 21 days. So why 21 days? What's significant about that? Well, it's very simple. Studies have shown that in order for anyone to develop a habit in their life, they have to do something for 21 days in a row. You do something for 21 days in a row, then you start to do it subconsciously. You don't even think about it anymore. It just becomes a part of your regular routine. You don't think about brushing your teeth in the morning anymore. 
because somewhere along the way you just did it for 21 days in a row and then it just stuck and you've done it for years and years and years and years and years and you're just kind of in neutral. I believe that our prayer life should be just like that. It just becomes so commonplace. It becomes so much part of the norm that we can't help but do it. It's just part of our spiritual habits that we've developed in our life. And doing something for 21 days in a row is going to help us to do that. There's also accountability in it because everybody in this room, we're challenging everyone, everyone that is a part of Christ's walk for us to do this together so we can be in the trenches together. We can encourage everyone when they feel like giving up. We can say, no, no, you're not done. No, God's got something more for you. God's got something for you. We're going to keep pushing through. Come on, I'll help you. Come on, let's do this together. So here's what we're going to do. On our website, we've provided you with some resources, um, thechristwalk.com slash There's some resources. There is a daily theme over the next 21 days that we're going to engage in prayer about. You're also going to get some um, information about fasting. We're also encouraging people, if you would like, to fast during this 21 days. For more information about fasting over and above the website, come back next week. We're going to be talking about fasting and what that looks like in the life of the believer. But we're encouraging you that in these 21 days of prayer, that not only would you pray and read your Bible, but for those of you that would like to take things to the next level, if you're seeking God to do something really incredible in your life, we want to encourage you to fast something as well. And there's some information about different fasts that you can do and how you can make that a part of your life. And then every day on our social media channels, we're going to post information about the prayer emphasis for that day. And then at noon, on Monday through Friday over the next 21 days, at noon, we're going to have a Facebook Live video for your lunch break that you can join with a member of our staff to simply pray. We're going to pray for the requests that people put in the comments. We're going to pray for the, um, the theme of that day. And we're just going to believe that God is going to do something incredible, not only in the life of this church, but in the lives of the individual people that comprise it. And then just because I want to make it super easy, super practical, foolproof almost, I want to to set you up for success. On your way out, everybody is getting a copy of this book right here. It's called Reset by Bob Sorgin. It's 20 Ways to a Consistent prayer life. This is going to jumpstart some of you that need extra help. And so beginning tomorrow and for the 20 days that follow, you're going to go step by step. It's a devotion and it gives you um, some different insights and stuff. There's some journaling things. There's scripture. It's going to be so good. It's going to add a whole other dimension to your life because I believe that if we will set the tone here at the beginning of the year, then when we fast forward a year from now, we're going to be so far beyond what we ever thought or imagined. And I just don't want to talk about it from the stage. I want to put tools in your hand to help you achieve your dreams and to be successful and what God is calling you to do. So be sure and stop by the tables in the lobby on the way out and pick up your book so that we can do this together. See, the best thing that we can do to develop a dynamic prayer life is to just start praying. 
just start praying. Today's theme, as we kick off 21 days of prayer, is actually for 2018. It's for this year. I'm believing for you guys that this is going to be your best year ever. Your best year ever. I am so, so excited about what God is doing in and through the life of this church and its people. And I'm believing that the best is yet to come, that we're just getting started. And that over the next 21 days, God's going to peel back layers of that onion and he's going to reveal things to us. And so this morning, we're going to pray together for a successful 2018.